Welcome to Kelly's Conversations. USF Vice President of Athletics Michael Kelly dials up a former bull to go over some of the best moments in program history. Now, here's Michael Kelly. Welcome, Bulls Nation. We're very excited and so honored to have Penny Green with us, one of our one of our all-time greats with USF basketball. Played with us from 1974 to 79, one of 21,000-point scorers we have in our program's history. Still ranks 18th all-time with 1,058 points. Top 10 in assists for us. Somehow, we'll talk about later, had 15 assists in a game against South Carolina, <laughs> which remains a historic moment for us and was second uh, team all-conference for us as well. But a uh, lot of great accolades, a lot of great memories to go back with. But uh, Penny, welcome, and thank you for joining us on Kelly's Conversations. Thank you so very much. Well, I rattled off a lot of great, uh, a lot of great performances, a lot of great statistics that uh, that I, I know you remember fondly and are, are awfully awfully proud of. But let's let's go back even further because obviously we were, we were fortunate to have you play for the Bulls here here in Tampa. But you grew up in the D.C. area, which we share. I, I did the same. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But uh, started at Parkdale High School. Uh, but maybe before high school, what, what was it like growing up? When did you develop a love for basketball? And, and uh, um, talk briefly about your high school career, what it was like, and, and ultimately what, uh, who you got engaged with to be able to, to put USF on your map. No problem. Well, I uh, actually lived in Baltimore, Maryland. So I kind of played all sports, started out with Little League Baseball, moved to the Washington area when I was in eighth grade. And in Baltimore, they did not have uh, basketball in middle school. And I remember having recess, and they said, I said, where are we going? They said, to a ball game. And I got to the game, and people were falling out the stands going crazy. And I know this sounds shallow, but the girls were screaming at the top of their lungs. And I said, <laughs> you know, I think I might want to learn how to play this game. And so I was very fortunate to uh, to play for Greenbelt Junior High School. And then I ended up in Parkdale. And Parkdale was a very interesting story because – in 1971, the guys who were kind of mentoring me played St. Anthony's and John Thompson, who was number one in the nation, riding an 18-game win streak. And they actually upset St. Anthony's. And uh, I thought to myself, I'm playing with some guys that just beat the number one team in the nation. And that was the beginning of my career at Parkdale. Do you play guitar, too? No guitar. No, no I'm guitar. just saying. No, I'm just kind of planking off. Hey, if you if you can't be a rock star and play guitar, you, you said, hey, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play hoops. That's gonna be the. the I'm gonna the, play the, hoops. One of the two. <laughs> one of the two creates a lot of prestige. And my high school coach Stan Kernan was a legend in Washington. He played for McKinley Tech and the Fabulous Five. In high school, he won 38 games in a row. He ended up in the Navy played in the Olympic trials against Jerry West and uh, Oscar Robinson. And he actually resides in the New Orleans Hall of Fame besides Shaq and Pete Maravich. So it was great to get with a guy who was really, really knew the game and stressed defense, stressed fundamentals. And I had a little bit of talent with some fundamentals and you mix that up and, and you end up being a halfway decent ball player. Well, clearly far more than, than half decent, had a, a great career and obviously played the game well yourself, was was taught the game well and played with uh, great folks. So you're, you're having a great career, playing well with your teammates. Um, you know, how did USF come on the map? Obviously, we were we were a very young program at that point in time. You're playing in one of the most prestigious areas for, for high school basketball in the country at the time. Um, you know, how did it come about and what, what made you ultimately decide upon uh, University of South Florida? couple quick highlights. I had a wonderful high school career. 
the first time when I really knew that maybe I had something special going on was my junior year. And I ended up shooting 15 for 21 in a triple overtime game. And um, I actually spoke to one of the guys that I played against back then. He said, Penny Green, when you went up for your jump shot, it was like you were sitting in a lazy boy chair. You looked so relaxed. The only guy that could stop you was you. I said, dude, that's the nicest compliment I ever got in my life. (laughs) But uh, Sam Jones was at Federal City College, and he had a basketball program, and he would give honors to player of the week. So Sam Jones called me into one of the UHF TV stations and gave me this award on television. And I said to myself, you know, maybe I might be okay. Maybe I can get to the next level. And so uh, that was a great junior year. Senior year, I averaged 25.7, shot shot 48% from the field, 80 from the free throw line. I had one game where I shot 18 of 20 free throws. They had bumper stickers, Penny Green and the Green Machine. And in those days, the ultimate thing was to, what they call take the picture, which is the all-metropolitan team between Virginia, Washington, and Maryland. That was the goal everyone, guys would call. But are you taking the picture? Are you? I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying awfully hard. And uh, ended up making all-met. Unfortunately, I didn't take the picture, but I was third-team all-met. And being in the top 15 players in Washington, uh, I don't want to – disrespect the rest of the country but um if you make the top 15 in washington basically you can play anywhere um the capital classic started that year and i played in the capital classic game and uh, bill gibson there was a referee named joe murphy who did a lot of the games and he was from mansfield pennsylvania and his dear friend and he played for bill gibson bill gibson uh, in 1971 was the acc coach of the year and bill came in for the game Right after he retired from Virginia, he was headed to South Florida. They took a look. He said, is that the guy, Joe? He said, that's the guy. He said, let's sign him up. He said, you don't need to see him play. He said, Joe, if you tell me he can play, he can play. Let's get him signed up. And just to give you an indication of the guys who graduated in 1974 class in Washington, Duck Williams took Notre Dame to a Final Four. Pat Dosh is in the Hall of Fame at James Madison. Larry Heron. Is, uh, was the all-time leading scorer at Villanova and Terry Kittles came along. Kenny Carr played on the 76 Olympics and was in the NBA for 10 years. Craig Davis started at uh, C State. Ty Jones started at East, uh, East Kentucky. Ralph Ledbetter is in the Hall of Fame at Granville College. Harry Nickens is the Hall of Fame for MAAC. So those are all guys that graduated as all Metropolitans in 1974. And I knew if Bill Gibson was coming to South Florida, it was going to be a big deal because, once again, he was an ACC coach of the year, which was pretty amazing. And I grew up in ACC country, so that was a big deal. Well, that's a great, great class, great route to uh, uh, to get here. And, and you're right, as a young man growing up in the D.C. area, it was kind of like one of those things you couldn't wait to see who was in the uh, uh, all-met section that, that year. And, and uh, the gentleman you mentioned, Pat Dosh, I know went to the high school I ultimately went to at, at St. John's, but uh, it's uh, – you were definitely amongst a steam company. We were, we were fortunate to get you down here at that point in time. So you, you move out of the the uh, winners in uh, Baltimore and Washington, get a chance to come down to Tampa. I was heavily recruited by John Thompson in Georgetown. It was down to the wire. It was either South Florida or Georgetown. And they flew me in the middle, middle of the winter, and they showed me my room overlooking the pool at Fontana Hall, which has been knocked down since. And I was like, where do I sign? 
like, wait a second. Are you kidding me? This is absolutely gorgeous. They took me out to the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, it was just uh, one of the most beautiful places I'd ever seen. And at that time, I didn't know climate-wise, it's considered the second best climate in the country behind maybe San Diego. So, um, you know, the climate and Bill Gibson definitely sold me. And I want to say one thing about Bill Gibson. Please. Bill, when he got to South Florida, his name doesn't ring out. Um, when he, and I've met every coach that's come to South Florida from Stan Heath to everyone that's come in, Greenberg. I've take it, make it a point to meet every coach. Great guys. But Bill was such a special guy. And uh, when Virginia won a national championship a few years ago, they wrote a really special article about him because he was like 57 and three his last three years at Mansfield College in Pennsylvania before he went to Virginia. And then at Virginia, when he won ACC Coach of the Year, the guys who he coached against, Dean Smith, Hall of Fame, Lefty Drizel, Hall of Fame, Norm Sloan, Norm Sloan, National Championship, Frank McGuire, National Championship, Bones McKinney, Final Four, Vic Boopers, College Hall of Fame, Press Maravich, Tate Locks, NBA, Jack McCluskey, uh, General Manager of Detroit Pistons. So the ACC coaching in the ACC was the most prestigious league in the country. And for him to come to Florida, I'm like, dude, I'm following Bill Gibson, the ACC guy down. And, uh, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. I'm overlooking the pool, great weather. And his objective was to build an on-campus facility. That's the first thing he said. If you want to be a big-time program, we have to have an on-site facility. And that's when the vision and the money raising and the uh, thought process went into creating the Sun Dome. He created that vision when he showed up. A lot of people don't know that, but that was his main objective. And unfortunately, he didn't live long enough because he died of a heart attack my sophomore year, going into my sophomore year. So he didn't get a chance to see that vision come true. But he uh, he loved that thought and he pushed forward that idea. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that uh, <clears throat> that that history and that uh, the, the the what Coach Gibson meant to you and and was inst- obviously in- instrumental in in getting you getting you down here. So you, you, you come with him, you want to, you buy into, uh, which is similar to a lot of our student-athletes now, buy into the vision, buy into what might be necessary for future facilities and other things that uh, that, that we deal with in different sports here here right now. So I, I kind of like liken that to uh, all of us here at USF to kind of have a, a little bit of a chip on your shoulder that you want to kind of be the first to do something. You want to kind of make history as opposed to maybe uh, – being the next one and you seem to have that kind of a spirit within you we get there and bill puts together a monster team it kind of felt like we were the las vegas of florida he goes and gets three guys from pensacola college and they were ranked number one in the nation for junior college at the year otis dunn ed davis and joe record he gets a guy named doug applin from junior college who ended up being a great coach in tampa for years um myself coming out of washington dc we put together this team and uh, my freshman year, we go 15 and 10. And I just remember my biggest game is we played Dayton University at Dayton. Dayton's a basketball town, had about 11,000, 12,000 fans. And that um, Johnny Davis, who ended up being the starting guard for the Portland Trailblazers when they won the championship with Bill Walton, was written up in Basketball Weekly, how he blocked Tree Rollins' hook shot, who was a seven footer. And they said, Penny, are you ready for Johnny Davis? Are you? I was like, dude, I don't know. I think I think I've seen a lot. I grew up in Washington, 
And uh, so long story short, we beat them by double figures. The other guard was Jim Paxson, who ended up being an NBA all-star with the Portland Trailblazers. So Johnny Davis and Paxson was the backcourt, and we beat them by 11 at Dayton. And I'll never forget Bill Gibson grabbing me and going, son, I think you can play, son. I came off the bench for like 14 points, and it was really a highlight. But we ended up 15 and 10, a winning, a winning team. So that was exciting to get off to a good track. And that year, we actually broke the scoring record. We scored 120 points against Central Florida, which I think is still a record to this day. So Bill was a very serious guy, very disciplined, very fair, no nonsense. And I remember after game two or three, we hadn't played up to our potential. And he lined us all up, and he went down the list, and he said, Penny Green, Washington, D.C., all metropolitan. You're supposed to be a big shot. Well, son, you're just not playing up to your potential. And he went down the list, made each one of us accountable. I never saw a bunch of guys play so hard. And, uh, yeah, we turned the season around 15 and 10. That was great. Well, I found found a way to uh, to make you your best and came out with a great season. So to tell me, um, you know, as you look back to the the, the balance of your, your career here at South Florida after that, that, that first year, just – what comes to you at, if I when I just ask you that to your your biggest memories? Maybe one just related to your playing, but maybe uh, one more related to the relationships that you that you that you made uh, that you you still maintain to this day or cherish. Well, that next year, uh, Bill dies of a heart attack, which is very traumatic. His assistant Chip Connors takes over the nucleus of that team. We went on to a nineteen and eight season, which is still the best winning percentage in the school's history, seventy percent. And um, just the camaraderie and the relationships that I built with that team to this day, Otis Dunn, part of that team just passed away and all the guys went up to Chicago. So it's uh, relationships that have lasted uh, the test of time. And then, um, you know, so that 19 and 8 season was a super duper season. Uh, the next season was, you know, touch and go. But the memory of my last season, I was playing with four freshmen and myself, and we went to the Sunbelt Conference Championship. That was a special year and uh, great memories. We show up in New York City. We play Iona. Jim Vavano is the head coach for Iona, and Rutgers plays Cincinnati. So it's a triple header in the garden. And in that night, the Knicks and the Nets are playing. So it's basketball heaven in New York. We play in the first game. My mother shows up in her fox coat. My uncle's in the bins. I got the whole family tree there. And um, I snapped, and I went for 17 consecutive points, no threes. Came down court eight times consecutively. The guys from New York are walk, running by me going, good shot, money. I'm like, wait a second, I'm beating up on your guy. And then I remember spinning a 360, coming up on the other side of the basket, laying in and going, I've never done that before, but I won't tell anyone. And uh, it's called being in the zone. And most people have either done it in life or in athletics, but that day when just nothing can go wrong. And then I fought out with one minute to go, and I got a standing ovation from 10,000 in Madison Square Garden. And it didn't dawn on me till. 10, 15, 20 years later when I watch television, they go, the world's most famous sports arena. <laughs> of course, um, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, all talk about that special magic of Madison Square Garden and how the, it's just a little bit different. People say, well, how's it different? I said, one thing is when they 
turn when the game starts, they turn all the lights off and the, the only lights are on the actual court. And then I closed out my career with a bang. We went to the Sunbelt Conference Championship. We were one game short of the NCAA. We had four freshmen and me. We were picked to be in the second half of the division. And we emerged. We came together as a group. And it's nothing like a bunch of guys when you're working hard and all of a sudden you gel and you're competitive, and uh, we made it to the Sunbelt Conference Championship. Great memories at South Florida, great college. Any kid that I meet at the gym today, I said, don't you rule out South Florida. You better check them out before you sign on the dotted line. So, no, no, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Well, we're glad you still uh, point people in our direction, and I appreciate you sharing the the story and, and what must have been a magical moment at, at, at Madison Square Garden. And, you know, you still stay in, in touch with us. I mean, you were just at our at one of our games a couple of months ago. You obviously follow all basketball, but f- follow the Bulls. And, and uh, you know, we, we appreciate uh, you continuing to stay involved with the program, even though you live, you know, many miles away. So, so thank you for your continued support of uh, our Bulls. But you have spent a lot of time uh, in recent years really focusing on that passion related to specifically basketball in Prince George's County, the D.C. area. Um, maybe just tell our listeners a little bit about how much time you invested that, some of the projects you've been involved with, and and uh, you know what, what's next for you in, in that realm of things. Okay, and before we go into that, I just want to say I want to thank South Florida. In the last three months, I got placed on the Wall of Fame. Uh, in 2013, I received a letter where I was nominated to be in the Hall of Fame and fell a little bit short, but to be on the Wall of Fame is just as nice. And I just want to thank you. And I think that's so critical that we connect the old to the new. And you look at the programs like Duke and uh, you look at the programs like North Carolina where they actually have ex-players that are head coaches there. And um, that connection, I think, is critical. So I want to thank you, Mike, and thank um, Coach Gregory for the honor of uh, being placed on the Wall of Fame. It means the world to me. So in reference to my love and passion for the game, uh, when I – back to Washington after college, I kept saying, like, all my friends were the captain of their basketball programs. All my friends, you know, were, like, you know, stars wherever they went. And I, I did an interview, and I saw I just started collecting all this information. I created a website. Next thing you know, I was filming. I had 100 hours of film footage. Um, guys like um, Dave Bing, I got him in the mayor's office in Detroit. Dave Bing says, you know, Pennington, I didn't even know I was a good player until I went to the Dapper Dan tournament in Pennsylvania. He said, because everybody was good in Washington. You just thought you were another guy. And then when I went and played in Pennsylvania, I realized, and I got the MVP trophy. I'm like, wait a second. I might be better than I think I am. So I could relate to what Dave Bing said. Of course, you are top 50 NBA players in history. So I went out, I got Monk Malloy, used to play at Carroll High School with John Thompson. He was the president of Notre Dame College. I got Austin Carr, uh, who still holds the record for most points in an NCAA game with 61 at Notre Dame. He averaged 38 a senior year. He was the number one draft pick in 71, I think, for Cleveland. So I pulled all these interviews together, and I was going to create a documentary, but I ran out of gas, ran out of money. And then um, some guys came along who were working with Kevin Durant, and they asked me if I would be a consultant. They asked me if I would um, do some interviews. So I did that. And most recently, in May of last year, Kevin Durant launched a documentary called Basketball County in the Water, which just highlights the passion and love for basketball in the Washington, D.C. area. 
from Elgin Baylor, the first superstar in the NBA, all the way up to Kevin Durant. Um, and mostly Kevin talked about the, the young guys like Victor Oladipo, Jeff Green, Quinn Cook, the Grant boys, Josh Hart, um, Marcus, um, Marcus Folks. So he kind of highlighted the young guns, the millionaires. And so what I've decided to do at this point in time, I just got a relationship, an agreement with the women in film and video in Washington. And I got a commitment from WIDA Television in Washington. So I'm going to do a Ken Burns kind of a piece with Chronicles from 1900 up to 2000 uh, when the young guns kind of took over, the millionaires, and just have 45-minute segments and kind of describe 100 years of great basketball history in Washington. Man, that's incredible. I got your coach, Joe Gallagher, <laughs> out of 100 interviews. He had to be the most animated interview that I received. Uh, it must have been wonderful playing for Joe. It, it was indeed. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased you're doing this this project, the growing up in the D.C. area and, and, and all the lore and, and getting a chance to play in the D.C. Catholic League and the inner high um, summer leagues and everything. Still some of my favorite uh, uh, memories. But you're, you're so right. I had a chance to play for Coach Gallagher, who uh, uh, you know won over 900 games, having a chance to work for Damascus coach Morgan Wooten for all of his uh, camps that he and, and Coach Gallagher ran together. And then just some amazing uh, basketball played there, even in, in my youth. So, you don't have room in that uh, in that documentary for that uh, eight points a game uh, average player at St. John's. But uh, <laughs> but for, the, for for all the others that you ha that you have, I'm going to look forward to uh, uh, to watching and, and really appreciate you you taking uh, take advantage Joe, of that. Joe Joe Gallagher was such a pleasure. He talked about his career at George Washington University, and um, he had a great coach who used to press. And he used to run the fast break. And I can't remember his name right now. But he said he got there. Uh, Red Auerbach was playing at George Washington before he got there. And so they kind of connected. And he said Red Auerbach would pull his shorts. He goes, Red, we don't do that in Washington, D.C. Get my, get your hands off my jerk, <laughs> off my pants. You know? And then he talked about how when he started Metropolitan Camp, and what an impact it had on Washington because it afforded all the local kids an opportunity to get really sound fundamentals. And Morgan and him teamed up for that. And how Red Auerbach would come in and smoke a cigar after uh, every work after the, in the evening every day because Red lived right around the corner from St. John's. And his interactions with Red Auerbach and Morgan Wooden. And he just was a super special guy. Uh, 900 wins in basketball, 400 wins in football didn't take a break for 40 years. And the most impressive thing he told me is he cut his own son. I'm like, dude, how could you cut your son? How did you go home for this? Because Pennington, he couldn't play. I said, okay, coach. Tough as nails. Tough as nails. Coach Joe was no nonsense. I mean, a, meant a great deal to so many of us. That metropolitan area basketball school you speak of, I, if I still had something, I wish I had the famous reversible blue and uh, red uh, jersey that they gave out that hundreds of uh, and thousands of, of, of players have that uh, people remember. But you're right, I remember uh, so many great legendary players coming back to teach fundamentals. One other neat thing with that DeMath to St. John's connection is that uh, Adrian Dantley, when he was still uh, you know, amongst the leaders in the NBA scoring, lived not too far away either. And Coach Gallagher would give him the keys to our gym. And after we were done with pickup time and I hadn't yet gone home, I still remember being a young middle school player and Adrian Dantley, uh, 
he would just want to play full court one on one, and the little eighth grade kid was the only one that could do it with him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I would just that is uh, a wonderful story. <laughs> I would just watch him do it. But to your great point about the fundamentals of that school, you know, he uh, uh, Dantley made a living off of uh, being the NBA's leading scorer with really just doing ultimate fundamentals. You know, what what wasn't uh, got to the line did did uh, you know did the Strong side drive, did the crossover, and, and got to the foul line and made it religiously. Triple, and, the triple threat, the triple threat. Yep. He wasn't fast. He didn't jump high. He didn't move quick. And his work ethic, uh, Morgan talks about his work ethic. Because all those guys out there that have talent, which is wonderful, but this game you really have to put in the work. And Adrian was that guy. And it's funny you say that because I have a friend that's in Cleveland, and he used to go out and play at Notre Dame. And his claim to fame is he played one-on-one full court with Adrian. Adrian would play one-on-one with anybody. Okay? Yeah, I can attest <laughs> kid, to that. Kid, <laughs> kid, come here. Come <laughs> me? Are you talking to me? <laughs> no, no, he was a wonderful fellow with an un, uh, unbelievable work ethic. And, uh, yeah, it paid off for him. Well, Penny, as we wrap up, and you've talked a lot about this, can, can you just talk? Uh, mention the name of the project you've already been involved with and, 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 and kind of maybe a timeline you envision for the, for the great history of uh, – of DC basketball yes. you anticipate? I am working once again with the women in film and video, and soon we'll have a website where people can donate money. I'm also working with a guy named um, Dave Yilling from Teleproductions uh, Communications in Washington, and uh, we are looking to get our first funding in about 30 days so we can transcribe all the interviews that I have, uh, and then I would say uh, we should be up and running in about six to eight months. And in closing, I just want to... Um, Shout out to the guys who played with me on the 1976 team that ended up uh, with the best winning percentage in the school's history. And that's Doug Applin from Chamberlain High School, Ed Davis, Rick Butner, Otis Dunn, Joe Record, Kenny Brown, Robert House, Mike Dickerson, uh, some other guys, Leon Smith, Tim Dietz, Phil Shelp, Glenn DuPont, Jerome Gray, Newton Furryweather. That, that group of guys became very special to me and I communicate with a lot of them to this day and uh, it was just a really wonderful experience attending the University of South Florida and I got a business degree so uh, it was uh, not just athletics but a great academic experience as well. Well Penny that is the perfect way to end it I appreciate the shout out to all your players you're absolutely right the 76 team being the best winning percentage team in our uh, great program's history, and uh, obviously you were a big part of that. And uh, we're proud of you and appreciate your continued support of our program and uh, the passion and pride you have in USF and all that you do. So on behalf of Bulls Nation, thanks for uh, for that. Thanks for joining us and giving us an update on all the great things you're up to. And we look forward to seeing you at the Yangling Center sometime soon. So let me know when you're back in town. Mike, you made my day. Thank you, sir. All right. That's our installment for today for Kelly's Conversations. As always, go Bulls. This has been Kelly's Conversations with USF Vice President of Athletics, Michael Kelly. If you know of a former Bull you'd like to hear featured on the show, tweet us at Bulls Unlimited.